Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi everybody, welcome back to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast, this is your host Will, and in today's episode we have a very exciting special guest joining me and Jaren. We talk with our editor-in-chief and site expert over at the Smoking Cuban, the website that me and Jaren are writing for in terms of our Dallas Mavericks coverage, Noah Weber, and he was a great guest. He gave a lot of great insight in terms of just his fandom uh, with the Mavericks as well as and you know what he thinks in regards to the future implications of the team this upcoming season. It was a great interview. Really privileged to have Noah uh, coming along the podcast, and you know we'd love to have him back. Hopefully, he um, is willing to join us for another interview. Um, it was a one of our better episodes I think we've done. I think you guys will thoroughly enjoy listening to it. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Make sure to check out our work at over at the Smoking Cuban. Um, you can find you know me. Noah, Jaren, over there at the Smoking Cuban, Will Miller, Jaren Boslow, Noah Weber. Um, you can also find, you know, all the, you know, stuff is in regards to our podcast up on Twitter, um, at Mainstream Mouse Podcast, Mainstream Mouse Podcast on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. We really appreciate any feedback that you guys could give us. And we, you know, really appreciate you guys following along for this journey. It means a lot that, you know, we're able to talk basketball in this capacity and uh you know have some Mavs fans join us for our journey we really do appreciate you guys but without further ado um we're going to go ahead and go to the ad break here's an ad from our spot sponsor spotify for podcasters and then you guys can enjoy the interview with jaren noah and i y'all have a good one hi welcome to back to the mainstream mouse podcast this is your host will i'm joined here with my co-host jaren what is up guys we told you guys in the intro we are joined here by site expert over where we are contributors at the smoking cuban noah weber uh we are honored to have him on the podcast today noah how are you doing what's up y'all thanks for having me on i'm doing good no most definitely so uh i guess before we just get into the mavericks and their sort of state of affairs at the moment um how have uh how have things been going for you lately man and uh how did you what was your journey like in terms of becoming a Mavericks fan because anytime we bring a guest on here that's all obviously like one of the questions we always have to ask yeah so everything's been going good um as y'all know we're doing really good over at the Smoking Cuban um we're we're consistently in the top two um for the division over at fan side it's us and the Warriors based site so we're doing really good over there and it's a good big part of y'all's hard work as well so I appreciate that and um I started as a Mavs fan I I can't say I remember the 06 finals like I mean I was like six but like yeah. I I was a fan like I have whatever Dirk jerseys from back in the day but I really started getting into it um probably re- around the 2010 2011 when they won the finals and then going on the dog days of Dirk's career um consistently getting bounced in the first round um going to tons of games my grandpa had season tickets so we'd probably go to 30 plus home games a year so almost every game mm-hmm. and yeah and that just led me I loved um we'd go early and like interact with the players and whatnot and that led me like I want to work in sports so I went to college in Oklahoma State with to graduate with sports media and then I've been working in sports ever since I graduated in May oh nice now congratulations man that's, thank you, that's thank what's you. up 
Um, but yeah, uh, Jaron and I definitely um, were not, you know, as plugged into the Mavericks really till like after uh, 2011, I'd say. And yeah. we're only like 10 years old. So anytime we get a chance to talk with anybody from that, uh, that was a fan before that, it's always some valuable insight. Cause we, I mean, we're just, we're kind of blanking on those years. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, so given that, you know, you started becoming a mass fan back in, you know, 2006, 2007, whatever. Um, what, what is, you know, Dirk meant to you? And uh, is, is he like your favorite athlete growing up and all, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, of course. He's he's king of Dallas. Um, he's there is never it, there's no one like him. Just the way he treated the fans. He brought Dallas their first ring with virtually no I'm not going to say no help. That's a whole different conversation. But just a veteran filled team against the star studded heat. Just there's not you will not hear anyone say a bad thing about Dirk. And that's what I really love about him. Just the way he gives back to the city always had a smile on his face. Um all the when he could have gone and played in Houston or LA for a lot more money, stayed here, wanted to be loyal. And just that ring is worth so much. Like one of the hardest finals runs of all time. Yeah, just watching Dirk growing up, it was just amazing. A set, no one had seen a seven footer that can play like that and just it's spectacular. It's there's there's no one that will ever be like Dirk. I think he's arguably the great one of the greatest athletes in Dallas history. So gotta love Dirk for sure. Yeah. And, you know, to follow up with that, uh, I guess now that we're on the subject of Dirk, you know what, if you have a favorite moment, I know that there's probably plenty of favorite moments, but if you have one specific one uh, particular favorite moment, what would it be? It would be the 2011 finals one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy, man. Like beating the heat. No one, everyone was counting them out before the series and just the Mavs played together and just crazy, just veteran run team, just Jason Kidd knocking down standstill threes like barely could move it was it was just one of the most fun because us dallas sports fans like we don't see championship runs like not really like the stars in 2020 or whatever it was but the mavs 2011 finals win is all we really have so i mean it's it's awesome the 2011 finals win nothing nothing touches it so yeah i mean this is the first time that like all four major dallas sports teams are are i guess uh in contention to yeah. maybe win a championship at the same time. So I think that's cool, even though it probably won't happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, Noah, you obviously, uh, did you get your start covering the Mavs over at the Smoking Cuban um, during last season? Or was it uh, right before the offseason started? Just because, Yeah, I- so it was, I think it was February. I think okay. I literally started within two weeks after they traded for Kyrie. So okay. I started okay. back in February. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, just in your uh, you know time since you you know started covering the team over there and the, the Mavericks made that that midseason Kyrie deal. Um, what sort of um, I, I guess what kind of what was the vibe that you left with after last season um, and the disappointing finish? And, you know, where did you have uh, higher expectations for this team, you know, given the whole Christian Wood situation last year? and all of that were what was it a little bit of a shell shock to you um when they underperformed yeah it was definitely disappointing because everyone counted them as finals um contenders just trading for Kyrie but just their defense wasn't good before they made the trade and it was even worse after just 
it was really disappointing, I will say, because Kyrie and Luca just electric. Like, we'd see games against, like, Philly or Sacramento where just they go nuts. And, like, that Sacramento game at the end of the year, they won just for them to, like, tank the final two games of the year. But I will say the weirdest moment I've ever been a part of, um, just talk about disappointment, is I was in that presser against the Bulls when Kidd admitted to tanking. I was like, it was the weirdest thing ever because if, if you're tanking, you don't say it. That's yeah. just yeah. A known fact, you don't say it. And we're sitting there, and he's talking about Luca probably playing, like barely playing. And he was like, Yeah, we don't have, I can't remember who's all sitting, like C. Wood, Josh Green. Like he was just listing a long list of all the role players that weren't playing. And it was, it was just the weirdest thing because I was like, Is he really doing this? Like everyone had a feeling that they might be tanking, but he's sitting there telling the media that he's tanking. And I was just like, Obviously, they got fined for that. They could have kept quiet about it. Um, they might have still gotten fined because it was obvious they rest so many players. But like, does Nico not talk to Kid and say, "Hey, man, we're not we're like"? Yeah. It was weird. It was it was one of the weirdest things I've been a part of because the Mavs don't tank. That's just it's not really necessarily in their DNA. Yes, they had a lot of down years like before Luca, where they were probably tanking. But just when you have Luca and Kyrie on the roster, it was just really weird. To see them tank, do I'm am I glad they tanked? Absolutely, because we okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was about to be my follow up question. Is you know those last two games were yeah were you in the boat of being in favor of that? Because I know me and Will we clearly were. Uh, We wouldn't say it out loud as it was happening, obviously, but we were we were definitely fans of what was happening. But 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 I do um, think that there's a very like rigid dichotomy between you know oh let's let's you know full fledged we need to tank all season to, you know, get the top 10 pick versus like when you are mathematically already eliminated from the playoffs, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, if you are subtly tanking, you know, not saying it in, you know, press releases, then at the end of the day, um, it's, it's not near as bad. So, but, but I do respect definitely, I think both of the uh, fan, fan opinions on, 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 on both ends of that spectrum, because, you know, for those that, you know, season ticket holders and, and people who are like truly diehards and, you know, may have just like wanted to take their kids to a game or something like that. You know, it is disappointing when, you know, you maybe had that game penciled in all season and, you know, nobody's playing or anything like that. So I can, I can definitely see um, both sides, but I I think that we can, you know, all three of us can agree that, um, you know, the Mavericks doing what they did those last two games has unequivocally benefited them uh, as they head into next season. And, you know, just to piggyback off of that, some of the off season moves, um, that they've made so far, Noah. Um, wh- who are you most excited for out of all the additions that the Mavericks have um, accrued over this past offseason? Uh, what's what's one name that sticks out to you personally? Man, I got to say, I think Seth Curry is going to be so big than most people realize. Like, man, he's a top 10 shooter ever percentage-wise. Like, Curry coming off the bench is going to be really nice. But if I had to say most excited about I think I'm super excited about both rookies. I think Derek Lively will be the starting center within two or three seasons. Yeah, it, I think it's going to take him a minute, but I'm super excited because they've just starting center has been such a low priority. Like even starting bigs next to Dirk, other than Tyson Chandler, man, it's been no one. Like if yeah. you look at the starting bigs since Tyson left for the second second time, it's horrible. It's yeah. it's bad. It's really bad. And like starting DP continuously, that's just not the move. And I think finally having a rim protector and Derek Lively, great size. I mean, he 
he's super awesome. And I mean, super great with the media. He seems happy to be here. It's just, it's good to get those guys who seem like, cause regardless of the people who think Mavs culture or whatever is stupid, they overvalue it. Like Derek Lively is definitely Mavs culture. And same thing with Omax and Omax is going to play a bunch next year. I feel like, so I'm super excited. I'd say about both rookies, they might not play as most, as much as most people want, but they're going to be huge down the line. Yeah. yeah no. You know, I, I think, you know, kind of conversely with that, I think uh, Derek, Jones, Derek Jones Jr., uh, I think him and Omax are going to have a fun little minutes battle, per se. I guess you could say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, that's going to be definitely something fun to watch coming off the bench. If you had to pick, especially right now due to Omax being a rookie, but if you had to pick one, um, you know, simply just because Omax is young, like who would it be? Like Derek Jones Jr., I know he hasn't had the biggest role uh, throughout his NBA career, but also Omax is a rookie. Like there is a, is a big, you know, 50, 50 thing that you can pull from here. Um, I, I simply, I guess, who do you trust more with the, that? I guess it's rather going to be like a off the bench role, but still who do, who do you trust more? We got to see, we got to see how Omax yeah. does in the preseason. He looked really good in summer league though. Just the way he moves for his size is just nuts. Like he's so long, but he, his game is, it's pretty smooth. And I don't know if his off the game dribble is going to translate immediately, but I'll say trust. I'll say Derek Jones Jr. Just for now. Cause I mean, they can just throw him in there and tell him to guard. I mean, he's six, yeah. five or whatever his massive wingspan. He's really underrated defender. Cause like, if you look, he was playing like 15 minutes a game in Chicago, but he, he made his impact felt on defense and just, he's, he's super, from what I understand, just reading stuff of what he said when he, when he was in Chicago, he's just super bought in to his role, whatever that may be. And I mean, he's just going to come in and guard hopefully be able to knock down an occasional three. Um, but I'm going to say, I'll say trust right now for Derek Jones Jr., but I think the sky is the limit for Omax. So I can't decide who I think is going to be playing more because I think Omax could be playing yeah. a decent amount. Like, he's going to he's gonna have a role on this team. Like, if you can guard, you're going to have a role on the Mavs because, as you all know, our defense is not the best. <laughs> hopefully improve, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the Omax stuff is very intriguing. Uh, I got a chance to watch him for a little bit at summer league. And I'll, I'll say as much as that, you know, the, the single dribble blow buys and the, the offensive creation were much better than you would have expected. Um, you know, just given that he only came out of Marquette and I think that that kind of sold him short a little bit. And I think he was also a junior. Um, you know, I, I think that some of those pre-draft labels definitely, uh, were a little bit unfair because I mean, ever since all we've heard is, good things about him um you know he he had a great um nba combine um he i think he was i don't know if it was the rico hines runs but i know he was at some run recently and um i believe it was a nba scouter something on another team said that they thought uh he was a veteran they didn't even know he was a rookie playing out there and then they were shocked afterwards that wow. he's playing so i mean i i do think you know between him and lively obviously Derek lively I, you know, I think has more potential at the end um, because, you know, he does, you know, fit that prototypical uh, modern NBA, you know, rim protector. And if he can ever polish up the the jump shot to where it's even a threat in any capacity, uh, I mean, that that's like a very scary type of player that I, you know, I don't know if Omax just has those sort of measurables, but uh, I mean, he, he's a guy that, you know, could potentially come in um, day one and, you know, be in this rotation, just, you know, strictly at a need, like we said, because, the Mavericks, you know, have are, are so thin uh, in terms of their perimeter defense. So, you know, if we're basing this off of last season. So uh, I think he can be 
uh, an immediate guy that you can, you know, plug and play off the bench. But I obviously the biggest question with him is if the three point shot, you know, how real is it? Right. Um, If it's able to come into fruition, um, you know, enough to where he's starting. uh, I mean, that that would be tremendous. But we'll we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, Obviously, the Mavericks biggest free agent acquisition, you know, barring, you know, what they did in the draft and everything um was grant williams in the sign trade um what are your thoughts on uh grant williams heading to dallas it it seems like it's the first time in a couple off seasons where they've got a free uh, a free agent that they were actually rumored uh to have been in play with uh it seems like a lot of these times the mavericks are you know deploying smoke screens and we don't uh and you know they end up doing something different from what's reported but he had been a target before free agency um, you know, we, we had the reporting up on Smokey Cuban and everything, and then they actually go and get him. Um, mm-hmm. but what do you think he's going to bring to the roster next year? He's going to bring defense. He's going to bring toughness. Um, and I think he's going to bring some leadership, even though he is 24 years old. I think he, I think he's going to lead a little bit. I think that, I mean, he's obviously going to be starting there at the four. He's going to take those tougher defensive matchups down low that we haven't been the best at, at t- handling the Mavs just. Obviously, that's not a strength of theirs. And hopefully he can rebound a little bit, too, because obviously Mavs rebounding is not the best. But I think just what they brought him in to do is play defense, just be a three and D three and D player. So I'm I'm pretty excited about what he's going to bring, but I'm um, I'm not super confident that he's going to contribute as much as people think, because if you look at him in Boston, he what I mean, he was what fifth best player on the team. I'd have to go look back at the roster, but tons of guys on that team better than him and now people in Dallas expecting him to be the third fourth best player on the team so hopefully he can contribute and I hope they're just not going to ask him to do more than he needs to do but when you have Luca and Kyrie on the court I mean he's going to get plenty of open looks so I was definitely excited about it because as you were saying oftentimes it's just like oh Mavs are showing interest in blank but this offseason if you look at who they were rumored to show interest in a lot of the time it was true. Like, I mean, DJJ, that stuff was going around for a while. Um, and then same thing with Grant and Matisse. So I think they were a lot of the leaks that were coming out that they were interested in, they were pursuing. So I think, yeah. I think Grant does well though, but I, they still need, they still need more. And that's a whole nother yeah. conversation. No, for sure. I mean, Grant, like, I think a lot of Mavs fans are, you know, expecting maybe this expansive offensive repertoire, you know, Grant is a great defender. Uh, don't get me wrong, but he's a guy that still needs to evolve quite a bit. You know, he hasn't had, you know, being off the bench in Boston, he hasn't really had the biggest opportunity to, you know, attack off of closeouts and play make and, and, you know, do some, some of those more, those things that are maybe not stereotypical of that, that, you know, tried and true three and D wing. And that was kind of the problem uh, a little bit with the Mavericks last season, you know, with, uh, with Reggie, uh, especially when Dorian had gone out the window um, after the trade deadline, um, there was just not enough, you know, creation from that wing spot. And I mean, they, they've addressed that to an extent this off season by with, you know, especially from the defensive perspective, but it, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, just when you scan across the roster, um, it, I, I feel like one guy is going to pop a little bit more than, you know, we, we would expect. We saw it last year with Josh Green, and to see who that guy this year is um, is going to be, you know, really intriguing. Obviously, the Mavs 
um, are international right now, some of them at least, uh, with the FIBA World Cup. And uh, Dante Exum, you know, Josh Green are are doing work over there for the Australian national team. Obviously, Luca uh, with Slovenia is, you know, having some, um, you know, insane performances at the moment. But, um, you know, specifically with them, um, do, do you think that, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Dante Exum or Josh Green or any of these guys um, taking a, le- a leap, you know, um, or any of the guys that we we just got out over the offseason, how much would that mean to the Mavericks? Because, I mean, as currently slated, you know, I, I think they've bolstered their, their defense a lot. But I still, you know, given how much some of the other teams in the West have improved this offseason, it, it still doesn't, you know, necessarily – um, seem as if a playoff spot is, is guaranteed, you know, maybe I'd say it's likely, but it's not guaranteed. So how big would that be if they could make, you know, if one of these guys um, ends up, you know, being a lot better than we expected? Yeah. Josh Green taking a leap would be huge because I mean, we're Dallas is counting on it. So he's obviously eligible for an extension. Now next year, he'd become a restricted free agent if Dallas doesn't getting, get him into an extension now, but I think they might go, I can't decide if I think they're going to extend him or not or make him prove it and then maybe um, figure something out later down the line. I I can't decide what I think yet. But Josh Green taking a leap is going to be huge because oftentimes in these seasons we see two forms of Josh Green. It's the really good, confident, reliable shooter Josh Green like we saw when I think it was when Luka and Kyrie were out that game where him and Hardy had like almost 60 points combined or Mm. something crazy. Just There's times when – Josh Green is a capable shooter. He's confident. He attacks closeouts. And then there's times, like in the 2022 playoffs, he's not playing much. Rudy Gobert is daring him to shoot from downtown. He's not shooting. There's just there's two forms of Josh Green that we've seen. And I'm I'm really hoping that the Mavs get the form of Josh Green that he's taken a leap. He's because I mean, people forget how good of like a passer he is. Like Josh Green has developed a lot since coming into the NBA, and he gets a lot of flack from Mavs fans. Um, and I will say, I do I don't agree with just the Mavs fans that think that he's just his ceiling is just through the roof. I'm not necessarily in that boat. I think that he can improve a lot and be a a quality starting um, shooting guard wing in the NBA. I do. I think he can. I think he can be that. But I'm not on the boat that oh he can go average 20 a game one day. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't see that happening. I think that he can be a great role player for this team, but I think him taking a leap would be huge just because, I mean, he can guard and he shot 40% from three last season. Like that's the most you can ask for. He's super athletic. He guards well. So I'm, I'm hoping Josh Green can take a leap. And then Exum, I think more is going to be resting on Exum than people realize. Cause like with the whole last summer, like the, we still have Frank thing after losing JB and stuff and Frank just being an absolute disaster. Like Exum is our like point guard off the bench. Like he's a true one that we can have off the bench. I don't know how much he's going to play, but if he can be good, that's going to be massive because yes, losing Reggie in the grant deal was worth it getting grant in here, but people don't realize how much of the defensive um, responsibility that Reggie took for guards on the court. And like, if you look at, the squad off the bench and we're going to say, okay, who's going to guard the guards who Seth THJ um, there. I'm, I'm just Jaden Hardy, like yeah. the, all three of those guys not known for their defense. Exum great defender. So hopefully just Exum can play good defense, take care of the ball 
I mean, not, I don't think he's going to be asked a whole lot, yeah. but Exum playing good would be massive for this team just because they need, they need more guard defenders. I think that's one thing that I wish they addressed a little bit more. And Derek Jones can guard guards. I mean, he's versatile, but I think that offensive, the Mavericks guards are just all kind of those flamethrower type score players like Luca, Kyrie, Hardy, THJ. They're mostly just um, Seth Curry, just guys who are going to score a whole bunch. So hopefully Exum can help on the defensive end. That's just, if he can just play good defense, that's, I mean, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, you know, to kind of piggyback off that, like this team has gotten so much more creative, so much more athletic uh, mm -hmm. just in one off season. I mean, last year, you know, there really wasn't any players other than kind of Josh Green in terms of role players last year uh, that did multiple things, you know, defense, offense, um, you know, Reggie was the definition of one dimensionality. So I think this year, the fact that they got Grant Williams, uh, DJJ, Dante Exum, um, Omax, like Derek Lively, like they got so many guys uh, that are going to contribute not only to an athletic perspective, uh, but defense to offense uh, and do multiple things on offense. I think, you know, as you said, with Dante Exum, I expect him to uh, potentially be that number one guy or not number one guy, but potentially be that point guard off the bench. Um, and to see him kind of flourish in that role would be honestly really, you know, creative, but um, I, I don't know, to me, the Josh Green situation kind of sounds all too familiar with the Jalen Brunson, Jalen Brunson situation. Um, a guy who hasn't necessarily flourished, uh, throughout his career, had some spurts last year, but headed into this year has had a, you know, pretty good off season thus far. Um, and, you know, is looking to have big things heading into a contract year. Um, you know, does that Jalen Brunson thing sour you anymore? Like if you were Nico Harrison, for instance, would you just go ahead and get the deal done uh, at that four year, 50 million mark? Or, you know, would you wait uh, for that prove it kind of thing? Uh, I, I don't know. Like if you were in Nico Harrison's seat, like what, what would you do with Josh Green right now? I don't know. It, it got to depend on what that extension is looking like. But the big difference between JG and Brunson is that JB was unrestricted which is yeah. in, like, that does not happen. Like getting those four-year deals with being yeah. an unrestricted free agent at the end of it, that's not as common. And that's something that the Mavs should have, uh, just looking back on it, I'm sure they wish too yeah. that they did just. No, I mean, they, it was Donnie Nelson. He, um, yeah, I think kind of as a token of gratitude or appreciation um, for, you know, getting Brunson in Dallas, um, you know, from the standpoint that they valued him and touted him as a prospect a lot higher than I believe, you know, the first pick of the second round or wherever they got him, you know, um, they, they thought he was a legitimate first round pick and they, you know, wanted to show the respect to Brunson. And that's why they handed him that, uh, you know, that four year deal. But because he was a second round pick, uh, I guess the ramifications of the contact, uh, the contract kind of, uh, you know, you know, it, when you read in between the lines showed that, um, you know, he'd still be um, an unrestricted free agent after year four versus normally when you're given that four year um, rookie contract, like you said, Noah, you'll be a restricted a, uh, free agent after the fourth year. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, it's I, I get where they were coming from a little bit, but, you know, it, it, there's no free hand handouts in the NBA, you know, that and uh, that that's something I'm definitely a kind of appreciative um, you know, when we're looking at the old regime versus the new regime, right? Um, and the old regime, you know, they they seem like they kind of gravitated towards just doing, 
the the nicest thing almost at times. Like I remember uh, when Rick went to the Pacers, actually, uh, apparently we uh, just in sort of the fashion that he did it, we could have easily potentially got a pick in that year's draft back uh, from that. I remember uh, that was like a kind of a story at the time and that it, uh, we didn't end up, you know, choosing to exercise that. So, uh, you know, we you, we do need a little bit of uh, that ruthlessness in the front office, but, um, you know, it, it is as well as, you know, that relatability that, that Nico's brought, you know, having, you know, knowing all these guys, the ex Nike stuff, um, how, how, how do you think Nico's done in his first couple seasons as the uh, Mavs GM so far? Yeah, it's totally different vibe from Donnie Nelson, the way that he ran the team, totally different vibe. And Nico makes win now moves. And I think he just, I like his moves a lot better than they were with Donnie. Just the move in the middle of the 2022 season, the Dinwiddie trade when we got rid of KP and we got Dinwiddie and um, I'm so blank. Yeah, when we traded with yeah. the um, Wizards and we got Dinwiddie and Bertons. Yeah, obviously Bertons, regardless, he like he had that huge game in the Phoenix series. I can't remember what, but I can't remember the exact outline. But Bertons had his moments when, like the looking back on it last year, he just he was almost unplayable, just not very good. But turning like the cape turning KP and to Dinwiddie and Bertons, like that was huge. Like Dinwiddie, um, was massive for us in the playoffs, and we made all Dallas made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals with that squad and they just like Cuban said on that podcast earlier they all knew their role and I think Nico is build collaborating with Cuban and Kid and they're really all um a trio of just making moves work together um and really bonding um and teaming up well together I like what Nico has built so far and especially the Kyrie trade regardless of what people think should Dallas have done that should Dallas have not but what people have to understand is that Dallas's failure to sign players in free agency has just been crazy, crazy. They just, they can never land the big fish free agent. And that's what the situation they would have been in. They would have had a ton more cap, but having Kyrie just have him play half a season, see how it works. It didn't go as well as they wanted to, but Kyrie was bought into the fact that this, that trade was for the long-term pretty soon into it like he was he knew it was for the long term during before he'd even re-sign like it looked all signs were pointing to Kyrie re-signing regardless of what people thought might happen with the Lakers or that Houston yeah. might pursue them if they couldn't land um Van Vliet or Dylan Brooks or whatever it was but yeah I think I'm I'm liking Nico's moves um I'm hoping that they pan out and that I'm just hoping they can stay out of the play in this year that would be yeah. massive for them Most yeah you know I think I think one thing with the front office, you know, to kind of speak up on uh, Nico Harrison and really the moves that they've made, um, it, you know, this is the first season, as we talked about earlier, where, you know, they are making moves uh, that were kind of rumored to be made. Uh, I think that's, you know, in large part to Nico Harrison and that front office. But I also think it's in large part to the fact that it seems like so far that uh, that Mark Cuban has taken kind of a step back in his like sort of leadership or uh, pick me kind of role that he has taken. Um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, I, I think we are all too familiar as Mavericks fans um, with Mark Cuban, either saying some outlandish stuff uh, or just making moves in general that, you know, are kind of questionable. It seems like at least it falls on his head. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts? I know this is a very broad question, but what are your thoughts on Mark Cuban um, and specifically like 
uh, it seems like he's taking a step back this season, but what are your thoughts on him just in general? Yeah. Yeah. So all we can talk about um, the more recent stuff with Mark Cuban. I, I haven't agreed much with the way that he's handled the whole Brunson situation. I just, I, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Just talking about when the dad got involved and that's when things went downhill and this and that, like if they're off their team and JB played his butt off and good for him. Like if the contract that he got now, I'm sure Dallas is kicking themselves for not paying that money. Was he ever going to come back? You never know. All signs were pointing to him going to New York anyways. But I'm I'm not necessarily liking the way that he's kind of speaking out against past players because I know y'all saw what he said about the whole Seawood thing. Like, he yeah. didn't say Christian Wood's name, but saying, like, when guys started playing for themselves and not playing yeah. with their roles and yeah. saying it had nothing to do with Luke and Kyrie. Like, man, Seawood's gone. He's not yeah. on a team right now. Like, why do you need to say that? Why talk down um, on a player that you traded a first and four players for? There's no reason to do so. And then just the stuff getting leaked about Jason Kidd never wanting Christian Wood in the first place. And just there's been so much flack against C. Wood. Like, yes, was he disappointing on the defensive end? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he is so dynamic on offense, and he had – a solid year offensively, whatever it was, 16, 17, what, whatever he averaged points, maybe 16.6. Um, he is great offensively. Like Dallas giving him a veteran minimum deal, like I would not have minded that at all because that's all he's really received from what I understand is interest at the veteran minimum level. Like if he, I will say, if all the stuff about him buying into his role is not true, he's he obviously doesn't want to sign a vet min contract. He wants to have a big role. And his struggles on defense um, don't make him the best um, fit necessarily in Dallas just because he gets lost off ball pretty often. And half the time he didn't look like he wanted to play defense in the first place. But if Dallas could have signed him to a veteran minimum contract and, I mean, just had him come off the bench, like that would have been a solid bench piece. So I'll say that the thing that sticks out to me the most from Cuban this summer is just his – and this summer and going into the end of last season is just the way he talked about his past players. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, I think that that is not a good look for free agents. Cause like, what if you're thinking like, Oh, is he just gonna throw me under the bus if I leave after two years type thing and my contracts up. So I'm not a big fan of the way that he's handled past players. I'll say that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm very like kind of indifferent towards a, towards a Mark Cuban because there are like a lot of, you know, we have to recognize all the things that he has brought to the Mavericks. I mean, he's, he's done great with all the, you know, dirt commemoration stuff. Um, He's, he's obviously, you know, built this organization essentially from the ground up where they were, you know, torn down to shreds in the nineties. Um, But, you know, conversely um, I, I would say, yeah, what would definitely, if anything kind of irks me is definitely, you know, just sort of the PR of it all, you know, like, saying things that, that don't need to be said on podcasts and media appearances. And, you know, we, we don't know exactly how big of his role is, you know, behind the scenes. Um, so that that's not something, you know, I guess we can elaborate, you know, too much about, but you know, it, it's just not a good look. You know, I, I remember a few years back, you know, when he made the comments about Russell Westbrook during his MVP season, yeah. or what was like maybe the season before that and Kevin Durant um, at the playoffs, uh, you know, called Mark Cuban idiot, like, we, we don't want the player perception league-wide of the Mavericks to be skewed, and we don't want guys to not want to come play here 
you know, because of things that the owner is saying. And that, that I think is the biggest uh, drawing point, in all of this uh, most definitely. All right. So getting back into this one, I figure we kind of jump into uh, some more, you know, future segments. What do you think of the team uh, in a few months or uh, yeah, I guess in a few months, like, what do you think? Uh, first off, let's ask big picture. Uh, what do you think the record will be for the 2023-24 NBA season for the Mavericks? Ooh, okay. Um, I think they'll be – I think they'll win in like 45 games. Yep, that's okay. what we said. Yeah. What yeah. We said. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, we, we said, said. Well, we said 44 and a half or something like that. Or no, so. yeah, we, we put the uh, people – I mean, obviously, like, you know, we don't know what the exact record is going to be, but anytime anybody asks me to throw a record prediction here, I say 44-38. Yeah. 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 45, 45 is somewhere I just feel like yeah. is about right for this team. I mean, the West is so stacked, but I don't, I think that, I think that's about their, their median though. Like I could see, yeah, them I agree. Being, I could see them being close to a 50 win team, but things have to go like Luca and Kyrie got to figure out their stuff in the clutch and their role players have to step up, got to be better defensively and all that. So we, Dallas still doesn't have a starting center. So who knows what they're going to do there, but they did get to the Western conference finals with DP. So yeah. there's a lot um, <laughs> to be found out. There's a lot to be found out soon. So we'll yeah. see. no, I mean, and to follow up with that again, you know uh, yes, the Mavericks are without a starting center, but um, I, I mean, you know, it's very hard to predict game by game what's going to happen exactly because again, yeah. you know, there's just so many different things that can happen. Uh, but I, I think, you know, whenever I was doing that deep dive into the Mavericks schedule, uh, through at least the first 20 games, it's definitely a little bit more of a lighthearted start. Uh, the Mavericks do play Memphis three times, uh, and that's or three out of the four times without John Morant. Uh, and you know, I, I think if the Mavericks, this has always been a big talking point since Jason Kidd really got here, uh, was you know, can the Mavericks make um, pretty much the start of the season there, or, or like can they get off to a hot start? Uh, and I think if this year, if they're going to do it, it's going to be this year. Um, I, I mean, you know how crucial is it that the Mavericks get off to a hot start? I know it's kind of a self-explanatory question, but um, especially with this, you know, quote for quote week schedule uh, to start the season, like how, how crucial is it that the Mavericks get off to a hot start? It's definitely, definitely crucial because if they happen to crumble at the end of the year, like they did last year, it makes it, it makes it bearable because yeah. if you got if, if they have a bad start and then they crumble at the end of the year, they're going to be toast. But if they, if they come out of the gates hot and then they struggle to end the year, um, it wouldn't be as tough, but it's going to be a totally different scenario. I mean, they traded for one of the most skilled players ever, and they were trying to get him to work next to Luca. And I mean, that it's not easy to have such a new look um, on your team with Kyrie Irving and still make it work. So I think that I think getting out of the gates um, hot is definitely crucial. So I'd say, I'd say it's very crucial um, for this season. They get out to the hot gates. Aren't they on the road? Is Am I wrong? Or are they on a, a lot of road games at the beginning of the year? They're they're on a lot of road games to begin the year. And I want to say uh, post-All-Star break uh, during that 25-game uh, stretch, or they're, they're on a lot of away games. Yeah, too, I knew so. that. I knew that. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, I'm looking at this start of the season. So it's at San Antonio versus Brooklyn, at Memphis versus Chicago, at Denver versus yeah. Charlotte at Orlando. Okay. So they there's a lot of games in there that they they should win, but the NBA yeah. is so crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, there's there it seems yeah. like no uh 
there's those first few games, there's no uh, consecutive home or away games, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. So that'll be a hectic start. That's kind of, you know, opening week. Our, all, the scheduling is always kind of screwed up because you have to curate to the national TV games and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully they uh, they start off strong. But um, looking a little bit uh, more big picture, kind of uh, just treading in that direction as Jaron just did, Kyrie Irving is 31. Um Obviously, you know, the Mavericks made that deal for him where they traded him for Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian, the 29 first round pick. We're able to re-sign him this offseason for that three-year, $126 million contract. His contract obviously does have a player option in that third year. So, you know, we we are only guaranteed, you know, two years here of Luka and Kyrie um, together in a Mavericks uniform. Um, what, what are some of maybe your biggest existential fears as a Mavericks fan, whether it's you know, potentially Luca leaving in a couple years because we don't have a good enough team. Um, maybe if it's not Luca leaving, um, you know, when Kyrie gets older or you know chooses to go elsewhere, um, what what is the bridge going to look like to to you know bringing in that that one B or or two A type of player uh, to pair alongside Luca? You know, once Kyrie's no longer that guy, what what are some of you know your biggest um, you know questions in your head when you're thinking long terms about the Mavs right now? Definitely biggest question mark is keeping Luca happy. Um, that's that's got to be their main focus. I think it is their main focus. But if the whole Kyrie thing doesn't work out, I mean, Luca, he's technically under contract. Does he have? He has. Does he have a player option after the yeah, thirty? He I, he has a player option, I believe, in his last year. But he's technically yeah. under contract for three, um, three more seasons, I believe. Um, okay, so uh, I think he's due that. the earliest he could become a free agent. I think if that, and that's if he declines that option, like I said. Um, I think it would be the 2026 27 season, maybe the 25 26. I need to look that up for sure. Though. Okay, yeah, I just pulled it up. So he okay. has three more guaranteed years and a player option after that third year. Okay, okay. which which he'll undoubtedly opt out of regardless if he's yeah. staying around he'll opt yeah, out yeah because the money will be drastically different by then yeah yeah, yeah. it's I, they gotta it's so hard to build and because what if all this time they should have built they should have built around luca like they built around like Giannis or something bringing a yeah. bunch of guys that can defend stress the floor versatile not bring in another star player yeah. what if luca I mean, I, I'm sure he wanted Kyrie and they consulted with him before they traded for Kyrie. But what if that's not necessarily what Luca wants? It's just it's so it's so hard because yeah. the Kyrie project is a fail and they can't make it to the Western Conference Finals or at least because I mean Luca wants to win. He's yeah, he is so insanely good that if he goes elsewhere, he'll he'll win wherever he is. He's that good. He I think he can Bring, like the 2022 Western Conference Finals. I mean, team. Slovenia shouldn't have beat Australia the other day. With no, that. no, no way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Luca's a winner. So yeah. they, they've got to they've got to win. With I think the biggest question mark is how does Luca? Don- what if if Dallas misses the playoffs this season? Does he request a trade in the summer? That's a that's a big question. I, I don't, and I mean I I don't know. I I could see it. I I. Definitely think a lot of other NBA players would tend to try to go that direction. I I don't want Mavericks fans to operate under the assumption that Luca is, you know, just completely devout and loyal to Dallas because 
you know, as is the trend with European superstars, um, you know, none of them have really made any, you know, drastic changes in terms of changing teams um, in their careers, you know, with, with, with Dirk and Giannis specifically. Um, and that, that's really all we have to, to work off of. Um, but as more and more of these guys come in the NBA, I think that we're going to see that, you know, not all of them, you know, it's not like just some like big culture thing that, oh, everybody from Europe has to stay with one team. I, I think that, you know, we did just get really extremely lucky and fortunate with Dirk and, you know, and, and the Bucks to an extent have got, got that with Giannis, right. But even him um, there, there have been some sprinklings of him not necessarily being happy uh, with the organization that Milwaukee's going. And, you know, you, you pose the question, you know, how would you, uh, what's what's the best way to build a roster around Luca? You know, bringing up the the Giannis thing and everything. Obviously, you know, with Giannis, they you know, they had Chris Middleton. They had some guys alongside him that they were able to develop, um, and you know, form into you know a competent organization. And then uh, you know, upon years of essentially saving in their their draft assets, some of their young guys, you know, they cash everything in with that big Drew Holiday trade and. You know, all of a sudden, you know, they're a contender. Uh, I do think, you know, maybe the Mavericks situation is a little bit different because of how good Luka is early on. Um, you know, in Giannis's scenario, um, he he was developing alongside these guys kind of as time went on, got a little bit better each year. I believe he even won most improved one year. You know, with Luka, with, with him being so good right off the bat, you know, it does, you know, pose that question to the Mavericks front office, like, hey, like, we do got to win now. And, you know, they've even said that it took them aback a little how fast, you know, Luca got good, but we, we've seen Dallas attempt to bring in, you know, this, you know, so-called, you know, second star player alongside Luca twice now with Chris Dapps and Kyrie. And, you know, I, I think we can both say all of us here can say, you know, Kyrie is a definitive, you know, one B type of guy. Like he, he's not a, a you know, like a, he, he's not even a guy that's going to play, you know, second fiddle to Luca. Like I, I almost see them, you know, while Luca, yes, is is probably better, I, I almost see them, you know, kind of like last season, just almost splitting up the ball handling duties, um, you know, and, and playmaking duties to an extent because both of them are, you know, so extremely dynamic. And uh, whenever, you know, either one of them's hot, you know, and the other team's going to start trapping, they're going to have to look to the other guy, um, you know, as an outlet of offense. Um, but obviously, um, you know, with the Mavericks having had that early success in Luca's career, you know, they they were forced to to try and get good fast and capitalize upon his prime. That's obviously lasting longer than, you know, you know, Giannis's has per se. So I, I do think it will be, you know, really interesting to see how they are able to fulfill, you know, this guaranteed window of Luca and and just how loyal he'll be to Dallas. All signs point towards him being extremely loyal. I mean, you know, he has, he just engaged, got engaged with his girlfriend of like seven or eight years. You know, he's enjoying his time in Dallas. He just bought a house here. Like he does seem settled, but I mean, we can't be too preemptive in our assumptions. He, he very well, you know, given another year or two of um, just, um, you know, a losing season or, or disappointment within the Mavericks organization. Uh, there's, there's no telling how that could, you know, uh, affect him in his career. And, you know, with Luca and Kyrie's window right here, I do think it's, um, you know, really interesting that we do only have two more guaranteed years of both of them on the team. Um, what do you think? Do you, do you think that, you know, Kyrie's stay in Dallas is going to extend upon that those two years? Or or do you think that the Mavericks are going to have to look at, you know, bringing in somebody else? 
Yeah, it's all going to depend on we. It's just so hard to predict yeah. right now how how well Kyrie does or doesn't play. If he plays well, I could see fully see him staying. But I think that player option likely just if the way that we're anticipating him playing, he'll opt out. Yeah, after that second year. No, I I would agree, but you also do need to factor in the uh, the age. You know, I you know with him, I think at the end of that contract he'll be a thirty three. So yeah, yes. and maybe at that point he he want if he's not going to be able to, you know, make it, you know, get another max. I could see him exercising that, but it, it's all going to depend on like a lot of stuff, just how long he, you know, ages with longevity. But you know, obviously, I I, I think everyone here can say that um, we we definitely wish that they were paired together a little bit more, um, you know, kind of synchronized within their timelines. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really hoping it works out because Kyrie is so much fun to watch. Like the Mavericks haven't had a player that fun to watch other than Luka in a long time. Obviously Dirk, but Dirk over the back half of his career, I mean, still fun to watch. And yeah, one day, but they, they weren't making it past the first round. Like Kyrie is universal. Like everyone loves yes. Kyrie. Everyone loves Kyrie. And he's just. He's so fun to watch. And I mean, he's play he's playing at super high level, even when he was here, regardless of how bad of a disaster the end of season was. He was so much fun to watch. He was putting on a show every night, circus shots, deep threes, whatever that may be. He he was playing really well in Dallas. It's just they couldn't, they couldn't get it all together. And it the end of the end of the last season was a disaster. And if this season is another disaster, I I don't know what to say. Like I, to be honest, I wouldn't even be shocked if at, I don't know about this year's trade deadline, because they still got to give Luke and Kyrie a little bit of time, but how much time is giving them too much time? What if a team like, who knows, Los Angeles or something, because they're always tied to Kyrie. What if we're offering, giving Dallas a decent trade package to trade for Kyrie and it's not working and they're below 500 at the trade line. Like, do do they pull the trigger and blow it up then? You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. so many what ifs with Kyrie Irving, and I think if he can stay healthy, though, that's going to be massive. And people yeah. still gotta remember he he was an all star all yeah. all star game starter last season. He's still, regardless of how old he is, he's still playing at a very high level. No, hundred percent. I mean, he's really not even that old. I'm just kind of yeah. forecasting into the future. At the end of the day, he's still like kind of in the middle of his prime here. He's 31. We haven't seen a lot of these guys really. You know, uh, when we're talking about the top echelon of NBA players, right? A lot of these guys, I mean, you know, last well until, you know, they're 35, 36. I mean, Chris Paul really isn't tailored off in production. I mean, he's a smaller guard, just like Kyrie. Um, Maybe, you know, going back to that playoff series with the Mavericks. I mean, uh, before that, he he had honestly been doing pretty, you know, decent that season. Um, So um, that'll definitely be um, intriguing going forward. But with the Mavericks, you know, heading into this season, I think that we can all say that the biggest, you know, area that they need to address is that rim protector, because as we referenced, Derek Lively is extremely promising, has all the intangibles to come, you know, the the next quote unquote Tyson Chandler, the guy um, that, you know, can come in, um, you know, be a, you know, be a weak side rim protector, um, you know, stop any sort of penetration heading to the rim, you know, grab, grab boards, uh, especially as he starts to develop and you know, stronger, he, he's going to be a guy that's you know going to be a point of stability and consistency in my opinion. But obviously, 
we saw some of the drawbacks, you know, in summer league, he, he doesn't, you know, he still needs to expand his game a lot more offensively. Um, and, you know, even on defense, um, he, he tends to sometimes be like out of position sometimes just making those rookie mistakes. Um, you know, did, do you think that Dallas's ceiling uh, goes up drastically if they are able to, you know, bring in a starting center like they've been rumored to uh, throughout the offseason, like a Clint Capella, a guy, somebody like that? Or do you think that, um, you know, that there's honestly maybe, you know, the, the window is almost potentially closed for them to get a starting center after, you know, this offseason. It might, it might even be harder at the trade deadline. Uh, what what do you think the Mavericks sort of direction is going to be with the starting center? Yeah. I don't think that their window is closed, but I do think Dwight Powell will be starting center on opening night. Um, I, I just think that's how it's going to be. Yeah. But what's what could happen, which is seems like the most likely avenue for them to get a starting center is being the third team in one of those massive blockbusters, whether that's Dame or Harden or Siakam. That's the most likely way for them to get Capella. And it's been reported that it would be as the third team in the Siakam trade. And they'd love yeah. it if those talks ramped up and they were able to go get um, Capella in that deal because that they'd help make the salary work. Like that's they like Dallas would be a huge help to getting those two teams to make that trade help. So I, by no means, I don't think that the window is closed, but I think who knows if things aren't going the way, the way that, we fans want it to go. Um, I could see them making a midseason trade because they've made a midseason trade the past few oh, yeah. years. Yeah, they make they seem to make a midseason trade almost every season. So if things aren't going well, I wouldn't be surprised if some parts start getting moved around because the Luca clock is ticking. So that's that's what I have on that. Yeah. So you know to speak up on position, uh, let's say the Mavericks don't go get anybody. Uh, you know they don't make that midseason trade. Do you at any point in this season, uh, this coming season, do you think that Derek Lively can become that starting center before the playoffs begin? Well, wow, that's a great question. Um, I think he can. I think he really can just because he does, he does everything that you want in a starting big, yeah. but it's just not very often to those rookie bigs come yeah. in and be really, would, really good. No. Yeah. I, I would say, I think he can. I do think that it might come at the expense of some losses. I think that, you know, you, you know, I think if you really wanted to thrust him in there day one um, as the starting center, I, I think that, yeah, that that would probably honestly, um, you know, force his development uh, to, to, you know, grow a little bit more exponentially than he, you know, maybe would have otherwise, you know, playing in the G League. And that's not to say that, you know, the G League is not good for development or anything like that. Um, but you know, when you're getting that much experience of, you know, against NBA bigs on a nightly basis, you're, you're, you're forced to adapt almost to an extent, um, you know, you know, get with it or, you know, you're gone. Yeah. So if they, if they were to just throw them in, you know, throw them in the womb and just say like, Hey, go for it, bro. Um, I, I do think that there's a, you know, there's a chance that yes, like it, he, he could end up being that guy at, by a certain point, but I, I do think it might just adversely affect the Mavericks. I, I don't think that, you know, as excited as I am for Derek Lively, I do think that he is a guy, especially given, you know, Mavericks fans uh, sort of, you know, how they, how they, uh, how critical they are of some of these big men and stuff like that. I do think that he could make some very like rookie prone mistakes um, that, you know, I, I don't think Mavericks fans would uh, be too keen to. 
um, if, if they are to, you know, if he's going to get significant minutes right off the bat. And that's not a knock against him as a player. It's just, you know, um, the Mavericks need to do a good job of, you know, u- utilizing his minutes the best. But you know, we'll we'll see if he ends up showing, um, you know, more, um, you know, competence and ability to, uh, you know, stay at the NBA level. That w- that would be huge for the Mavericks, and it, it would definitely be, uh, it would be cost cutting uh, for sure. Because then they have the opportunity to allocate their, you know, their limited resources and um you know draft capital elsewhere at the trade deadline to to improve and i mean that would that would be huge but um we'll we'll just have to to see how that turns out i will say that i think the mavericks to an extent addressed almost all their areas of need this offseason uh besides the starting center and you know that that is very promising but the only thing that i think scares me and um is one of the reasons that i have the mavericks kind of you know in that 45 tier win tier win range um, is honestly, when you look across, you know, the NBA landscape, you know, particularly like the Western conference, I do think the Mavericks have, you know, just as much depth as the next team over. I just don't know if the Mavericks depth is as significant as other teams, if that makes sense. I think that, you know, you look at the, you know, one through eight rotation of like the Denver nuggets. And I mean, you got like Aaron Gordon starting there, like, I mean, there there are dudes who are like, you know, fringe all-stars ish on these other teams that are, you know, their fourth and fifth best players. The Mavericks fourth and fifth best fifth best players are like, you know, Grant Williams, like Tim Hardaway Jr. It's it's not as um, you know, clear cut of um, you know, guys that are, you know, going to be role players that are hundred percent role players that are contributing every night. You know, the guy, you know, the Mavericks guys, you know, are gonna more often than not have more more off games and some of those guys more inconsistency so that that i think is kind of what's separating the mavericks from that next tier right now that and a starting center um you, you got any other thoughts jaron just in terms of you know future implications of the team or anything like that uh yeah i mean real quick i wanted to touch up on that Derek lively subject i know that you had said if the mavericks threw him in day one that you know he might have a higher ceiling I, I do kind of disagree with that because oftentimes well, I, I wouldn't say higher ceiling. I well, not higher was... ceiling, but you did say that. Anyways, um, I, I would just say that, you know, oftentimes the rookie centers, you know, it, it does take a while. Uh, I think, you know, it especially with Derek Lively, because we saw how raw he was in that summer league uh, through multiple games, not saying he didn't get better, but because he, he did get a lot better throughout those games. But I, I think it's going to be maybe even a post all-star break kind of time before we see him get a significant role within the Mavericks. I think he's going to take a while, but I think being alongside Kyrie, being alongside Luca, um, you know, having all these guys next to him is going to definitely develop him. Uh, we saw Kyrie, you know, pretty much take Nick Claxton's career to a next level. Uh, I think that we could see a similar thing with, you know, Derek Lively, maybe not this year, but next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, lively becoming a starting center at some point this season I, I just don't know especially through I, I'll say the first 75 percent of the season I don't know how comfortable I am with that but I, I guess I'll leave that subject to that but um Noah do you have anything um real quick actually what what uh what are the predictions prediction seeds for the uh, Mavericks this year what seed do I think though I man as much as I hate to say it I think they're gonna be in the plan okay yeah I, yeah so, yeah I think they're gonna be in the plan I think that's I'll go seven. You know what? I'll go seven. I think okay. seven is about that's that's where I'm gonna go. But I'm gonna can I touch on Derek Lively real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was gonna say with D Live that 
Um, I think the fact that he's going to be playing with the best passer he has ever played with in his life and Luka Doncic is going to be huge. Just because, I mean, he's catching so many lobs. Like you saw in Summer League, some lobs would just be a little bit out of reach for him. Luka and him are going to get on the same page, and it's going to be fun to watch. Like, that's immediately what I thought when he caught that first lob. And, I mean, he can fly. Like, yeah, really can. some of those seven-foot bigs, I mean, they're not as athletic. They they can catch lobs, but it's kind of more on a dump off of, of, of oh, yeah. he's cutting from baseline. Just throw it up, and he'll go get it and dunk it. But – Lively can go get some crazy stuff, man. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be very fun to watch on this team. I think that yeah, like you said, hopefully Luca and Kyrie can take, take his game to the next level, which I think they can. I think that I'm wondering if he's just gonna have a similar trajectory, um, not trajectory, but season path that Jaden Hardy had, where he's kind of going off in the G League and then they bring him up and he has a role. But talking about this kind of is making me my thoughts rotate over to what's Jaden Hardy's role going to look like now you have Seth Curry and Tim Hardaway Jr. off the bench is Jaden Hardy just going to be sent to the end of the bench like he was at moments last year and not be able to contribute fully like that's why I I really like the Seth Curry signing don't get me wrong but it was a bit puzzling to me because they're like okay Tim's still on the roster Jay Hardy's still on the roster like how is this going to work Curry's an undersized guard like I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, I'm thinking that D-Live, he's going to be good. He's he's going to be good. I'm not sure about right away, but I'm hoping that he can get NBA-level minutes, right? Because what if he, he got better, like we said, yeah, consistently over summer league? What if that he's – I mean, he's probably grinding all this summer. What if the gap between him and DP isn't as big as we think? Yeah. October 25th. What if he grinds his butt off and they're going at it in practice and the gap really isn't that big? What if Rashawn Holmes, this is getting off topic a little bit, but we're going (laughs) on. But what if Rashawn Holmes really, what what if he wasn't bad in Sacramento? He was just behind Sabonis. Like, what if he wasn't bad? What if Rashawn can return to that 15 and 10 type of season that he had in Sacramento a few seasons ago? I think there's a lot of possibilities that we can have in the center role, but I'm I'm thinking that Lively is going to be good. What? Yeah, I don't think. Do y'all think the gap between him and Dwight Powell is that big? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily huge because I, I think automatically we we can say that you know Derek Lively is a better rim protector than Dwight Powell. You know, I, I I do think easily. yeah yeah easily, and that, that that's like you know mistakes aside, you know Dwight Powell like you know he tries his he tries as hard as he can, you know, um, and I, I always give him, you know, credit for the from the effort, you know, perspective. But, you know, Derek Lively, you know, has intangibles that Dwight doesn't. You know, Dwight does not have the longest wingspan for a center. I mean, yeah, he's bigger bodied, but he has a chance, you know, he has a tendency to, you know, kind of just get beat with his length and be out of position on defense. Never like has the best contests at the rim. So, I mean, automatically you're you're getting a better guy defensively. Derek Lively's big things, obviously going to be, you know, setting solid screens. We saw him in summer league. Um, you know, he, he would automatically uh, just slip to the basket on a lot of pick and roll scenarios, you know, didn't try to set a good, you know, stout yeah. screen. That's going to be a, a huge part. And just in terms of being a dynamic role, man, um, you know, some of the more intriguing aspects though, you know, that I, I, I think could, you know, re- really take him to the next level 
are, you know, that passing out of the short roll and as well as the three point shot. Um, you know, that's not even something that I would ever say like Tyson Chandler have. So, you know, I, I do think that this is a guy that is a very, very intriguing um, player. And I, I think that he does do certain things better than Dwight, you know, obviously, you know, we'll just have to see when training camp starts, you know, if, if Derek Lively's offense is just that beyond, you know, behind the curve, you know, yeah, maybe Powell or Rashawn Holmes uh, may need to start. Um, but, you know, like the point I was kind of making earlier um, was just, you know, more so that if he does get those NBA minutes, um, you know, it, it's not, I, I'm not saying necessarily that it, it's going to look good, but I, I do think that those NBA minutes are invaluable. So, you know, the more that he he plays in the league, um, the you know, the better that that's, you know, going to work towards, um, you know, his development and stuff like that. So um, I'm extremely excited to to see him heading into the Maverick season. I, I you know, because, you know, just kind of the uh, trend of our conversation that we're going, I'd say before we end the podcast here, we've been going pretty long. We appreciate your time, Noah. Um, Absolutely. Let, let's 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 uh let's pencil in the biggest wild card for the Maverick seasons a guy or or you know you could you know maybe even uh say something that happens uh that that could take the Mavericks from you know our current you know sort of you know seventh seed I think we're all kind of in that 44-ish wins um you know ninth to sixth seed uh kind of you know that that's currently our projections for the team roughly and that, as as I would say probably a lot of people um, that cover the Mavericks, you know, would say that they're kind of, you know, in that range right now. Who Who's the biggest wild card or what is the biggest wild card this upcoming season for the Mavericks that would take them to the next level? Hmm. Great question. Um, Let me think. I'll say biggest wild card. If Josh Green can take another leap, yeah. that's going to be massive because he's going to be the – from what I understand and what I'm predicting, he's going to be the solidified starter at the three. What yeah. if Josh, imagine how many open looks he's going to get. How many yeah. open looks that Reggie missed last season? What if Josh Green and Grant can just cash him yeah. in? You know what I mean? Like, I want him to see he'll be a little more confident. But if Josh Green's leap is exponential, that can take this team, I think, to the next level. So I agree. What about for you, Jaren? Um. Look, I've I this might be a little, you know, delusional Mavs talk here, but uh, you know, for me, I, I think it has to fall within one of those guys in that wing position. Um, I, I know me and Will have been really high on this guy, AJ Lawson. Um, I, I think if AJ Lawson develops into anything that is comparable to a role player, that yeah. could definitely elevate some play. And then uh DJJ, I think um that's a guy I, I confidently can think, you know, I think he can guard one through five or t- at least two through five. Um, and to me, that's a guy I think that will have his best. He's going to have his best, you know, he's being surrounded by the best cast that he's ever had in his career with Luca and Kyrie. Luca's going to only make him that much better. Um, he's going to be an insane lob threat uh, as, as on those backdoor cuts on those, you know, sort of screen doors, whatever it is. Uh, he's going to be an insane offensive player from that perspective. Defense kind of speaks for itself. I, I know it's kind of underrated in that perspective, but uh, a lengthy guy, I think, you know, to me, or for me, I think if the Mavericks are going to have any wild card guy, and I like that Josh Green answer, but if the Mavericks are going to have any wild card guy, wild card guy, it's going to have to come off the bench. And I think that uh, DJJ, Omax, one of those wing guys, uh, Dante Exum, if you want to throw him in there, it's going to have to be one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, just just getting like more, um, 
you know, more burst out of anybody. I, I do like your answer to Noah, because I mean, Josh Green starting, like we know he's going to get a lot of minutes next year. So him, him taking that, that next step as a player uh, would most certainly be huge. But no, I mean, to Darren's point, like if one of, you know, say, you know, Grant Williams, I mean, no, not Grant Williams, but one of Derek Jones Jr., one of AJ Lawson, you know, one of Omax, one of those guys, you know, somehow slips through the cracks and ends up being a lot better than, than we thought. I mean, yeah, that, that, that could definitely um, improve the trajectory of this team um, a lot. So that it'll be a really fun upcoming season that we got. Um, We'll have tons of content for you guys on all platforms, but um, we did want to make a special announcement because hopefully if Noah is to join us, um, again, the next time he will be joining us, we'll actually be live, all three of us together. Um, we are going to um, be going to the San Antonio Spurs game um, with Noah, the home or the, the season opener, not the home opener. Um, you know, I'm seeing Kyrie and Luca versus Victor Wimbamiana. Um, so Noah is getting a chance to uh, to cover that. Um, he's he's going to do it. Um, he's going to be in the media and he's going to be covering um Plenty of mass home games this upcoming season for you guys. So um, we're, we are really excited about that. That'll be um, the fun opportunity. We talked about this before the uh, show even started, but we actually haven't even met. And Jaren and I have been writing for the smoking Cuban for, I believe like a month and a half now, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're really excited. Uh, make sure to go check out everything over there at the smoking where you can see all three of our articles posted um, and make sure, obviously, as far as the podcast is concerned, to get at us on YouTube, like, um, and um, subscribe, of course, and comment down below. Oh, geez, bad voice crack. Uh, comment <laughs> down below. Um, who do you think is going to be the biggest wild card for the Mavericks this coming upcoming season? And um, for any of you guys listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other listening platform, we really do appreciate your time. Uh, give us a review. Give us a five star rating if you if you so please. We really appreciate any feedback that we can get. But Noah. Um, we we really appreciate you um, coming out to the podcast. You have any uh, final words for the audience? Man, final word. I see our Zoom timer is going a little low, but I have yeah. one question. When I heard AJ Lawson, so I'm oh, just okay, let's dive into that. Let's hopefully, do it. <laughs> hopefully, we have a second. Just one second. No, go for it. Go for it. Who is going to get the final two way spot? Oh, oh, um, um, I'm uh Jelly Walker. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go. Uh, yeah, we'll go Jelly Walker. There's three spots, right? But yeah, at the yeah, same right. time, at the same time, yeah. I don't. I would be hesitant to say that they'd carry both him and Mike Miles in a two-way mm-hmm. position because exactly. they both got guards. So, but I mean, I just think off talent alone. Hey, I, I'm just gonna say Jelly Walker because when I went to summer, wise camp. I'm yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Brown the third is he is up there, though. Greg Brown the third uh, is yeah. up there. Yeah, but I'm only gonna say Jelly Walker because when I saw that, I mean. My first summer league experience, he, that guy made it very special. Just the last, you know, two Mavericks games, Jaden Hardy wasn't even playing. I mean, he he was hyper efficient. You know, he's like literally like my height. He's like 5'10", 5'11". You know, he he went out there and put on a show. And, um, I mean, you know, he, against Kobe Bufkin, you know, sauced him up and Jarvis Walker. I'm not going to forget that. So, I'm going to I'm gonna roll with him. Yeah, like, I agree. Like and, uh. Yeah, who who do you think, Noah? Man, I'm I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go Greg Brown or um Joe. What is it? Wieskamp from yeah. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna go either one of them. Man, they yeah. need more. 
um, wing depth. And Greg Brown has good size too. I just I don't see them carrying Mike Miles and Jelly. Yeah, especially I, I don't, how many I don't guards see they have. That's just so I, I could see I could yeah. see Greg Brown. I don't know. I don't know. I want to see Greg Brown in training camp, see how he's developed because he's still so raw. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, I'm thinking it's one of those wings. Most definitely. Uh, but we appreciate you guys for listening thus far. Um, hopefully, um, you know, we can get some great digs this offseason when we get to see um you know we get a chance to interview greg brown or joe weiskamp pete that would just be pete content right there so uh but no in all seriousness um it was really fun episode glad you guys got to come on no we're definitely excited to have you back in future episodes extremely excited for that october 25th game versus spurs that we'll be going to smoking cuban heading to san antonio this has been the mainstream Mavs podcast we appreciate you guys for listening it's been a fun one and we will catch you in the next one